I can almost snap my fingers on that hand now. I'm almost. <laughs> I tend to snap my fingers when I don't know when I'm excited or I'm nervous or whatever, but I'm a, I'm a one snapper. Uh, I'm a one snapper for the last few weeks, but I'm almost there. It's a, it feels a little weird, but it's getting there. So, You know, God is so good. God is so good. You know, and, and, and I can remember the day I entered Bible college and, you know, I'm just an upside down. I know what it feels to come just as I am. In, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the moments of my salvation to the moments of the next step that God's put in my life. To, I, 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 once you come to Christ, you still need to come to him just as you are. And I do, I do know that that means that we are holy before God. I do know that that means that. Theologically, we can make that argument that because we're holy in the sight of God because Christ imputed his righteousness and his holiness on us. And then the journey is to help our actions look like our, our position before God. That's called progressive sanctification. And so we progress toward that which we already are. We are holy. We, there's nothing else that needs to be happen in our life but our, our, our progression, our actions aren't quite there yet. So, so we continue to walk out our position with Christ. And, and, and we, so we come just as we are in, in Christ and in brokenness. I, I just think that's a reality. And we come, and that's a, it's a dynamic that's unique to understand. But when, when, as I've stepped through life with God, whether it's uh, uh, the, my salvific moment in, or, or, or in July of, of 96 or, or January of 97 when I stepped into Bible college and just realizing that, that I barely, as I said before, many times I barely made it through high school. But I stepped into Bible college just as I was. And, and here I am, God, if you want me, here I am. You said, come just as I am. And I took him up on that, and I had to be reminded of that over and over and over and over in my life because I think I need to arrive at a certain level before I can offer myself again to God. And that's just ludicrous. And stepping into Bible college and starting to learn about the God's God and about his word and and I can remember, and I've said this just recently to some other people, I said, one of the professors said early in my walk in, in Bible college, he said, this is the greatest place to, to, to turn your faith into something that's carnal or something that's just not, not alive. And I was kind of taken back by that. And he said this, he said this, because you're going to start treating the Bible like a textbook and not like the Word of God. Never do that, he said. It is the Word of God. You're going to study it for testing. You're going to study it for teaching. You're going to study it, but never transform the Bible into a textbook. It is a book about God. It's a book about you and God. It's a book about you, God, and you and God. And I can remember sitting in class after class and just studying the Scripture. One of my favorite books of the Bible is as many people know, and many people probably have the same favorite book. Well, my favorite book of the Bible is Psalms, and, and, and Isaiah and John. They're the three. If I only get to take three books of the Bible with me, it's going to take Isaiah, John, and Psalms. The Psalms are, are this array of people walking with a real God. Just a, it, it's some, it's just people offering themselves to God, just as they are. 
just offering themselves to God. And in that psalm, we see God meeting them just like they are and moving them closer to him. God's desire for all of us is just to step closer to him. That's what he's always inviting us to step closer to him. The Psalms is a, well, you can see Psalm 117. When we were in camp, uh, you could get points. If you wanted to memorize an entire chapter of the Bible, you got 100 points at camp. The first one people would memorize is Psalm 117. Because it's only had to memorize two verses and you got 100 points. No one ever memorized Psalm 119. 176 verses in that psalm. So there's, there's the, the bookends of the psalm. There's 2,416 total verses in the psalm. One verse. I want to share one verse today. One verse is one 2,416th of the Bible, of the psalm. Just not the Bible, the psalms. It's actually 0.04% of just the psalms. One verse. One verse out of 2,416. It just rocked my world just recently. And I wanted to, to bring it to us. Listen, Psalm 9:10 says this. Those who know your name will trust in you because you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And as I read that, I was like, God, I just need to know you more. I just want to know, and we know that the Hebrew dictionary in this time has about 8,000 words, and the, and the English dictionary has about 400,000 words. So every Hebrew word is like a whole truckload of stuff. It's like a whole truckload. And, and, and you've got to unpack those words. He said, to those who know your name, that intimacy with the name of God, and I was thinking, man, if I could just do that, if I could just know God more, I could trust him more. Not just know cognitively, not just be able to answer the questions on a quiz, but to really intimately know God. Because the more I know, what a statement, that if I know God more, I will automatically trust God more. Because God always shows up is what that verse says. Because God is never going to let down anyone who wants to know him more. You seek him, you will find him. Because that's God's heart for us, is to find him. And so I was thinking, man, if, any, if I could do anything in my life or anything at New Life, it's just to help us know God more, to be more intimate with God. Just to grab on to more of God. And automatically we will trust him. But his name, is his reputation, his character, his fame, his, all this is packed in name. His reputation, character, fame, news, report, glory, splendor, weight, and abundance, the monument, the boundary markers. It's all wrapped up in the word name. All of that. I just don't want you to know another name of God. I want you to know the character of God. I want you to know the boundaries of God. And sometimes I think, well, God's going to tell me not what, what not to do, and that's his boundary. I think there are boundaries that he wants us to cross that are, that, are, that are blessing boundaries, that we stay on this side of that boundary. And God said, that's not my boundary. You're stopping at your humanity. My boundary is miles down the road. 
And I want you to know my name. I want you to be intimate with my name. I want you to know my character. And I want you to know other people's testimonies, the news about me. I want you to know the weight and the abundance. I want you to know that because when you know that, you will trust me. And what I want is you to trust me because I want to pour into you more than you can ever imagine. I want to give you more than you ever can imagine. But you just got to know me and trust me. And to know me is to trust me. And to know me is to trust me. So know me so that you can trust me. Because I have never forsaken those who seek after me. So today I want to help us know God more. I want to unpack just a few scriptures this this morning of of just how God has interacted with people and, and, and how he wants to interact with you and I. Look at he says to Joshua. Look at he says, push on. This is how you will know that the living God, Sheel, Sheel is with you. Living God, She, living God. I want, I want to unpack the living God. I want us to know that it's not just a God of yesteryear. He's not just a God of the Bible. He's not just a God of something else. He's not a dead God. He is a God. He is Sheel. He is a living God. And he wants to be known by you. He wants you to know him deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Because he wants you to stand more on him and 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 more on him. He wants you to stand on him. So often I want to stand on God. That he's the living God. And when I stand on God, I stand all myself on God. But too often I have my foot on something else. I said, I'm trusting God. And God says, you need to know that you can put the other foot on me as well. I appreciate when you lean on me. I appreciate when you sit on me. I appreciate, but I really appreciate when you trust me. Because I am a living God. And I am among you, and I am with you. Joshua, you got to know, this is how you will know that the living God is among you. Because he will certainly drive out before you those challenging things in your life. He will drive out before you the Canaanites, and you know the users, the the abuse. The Canaanite means abuse or user of people. He's going to drive that out. The living God wants to drive that out because that's taken up spot in your heart and in your life that I want, I want, I want because you got just your leaning on me. Let me drive, a living God, let me drive those Canaanites out of your life. Because when they come up against you, you will falter. But when they come up against me, they will falter and I will take them out of your life. And you will stand stronger and stronger and stronger. And when the Hittites come up against you, Joshua, I'm going to drive them out. When the anxiety, Hittite means anxiety. And when anxiety comes up against you, you need to know that a living God is there and you can trust him. And the more we know, the more we trust.
and the Hivites or apathy are there, and the Perizzites, I'll drive them out, the undisciplined. I like the Gergashites. You know what the Gergashites means? Heavy, sticky, wet dirt. That's what that name means. I'm going to free you from the heavy, sticky, wet dirt in your life because I'm the living God. Are you stuck? God says, I know you're stuck. Just come in all your stuckness and watch what a Sheel can do in your life. I can take you out of the sticky, wet mud. Did you ever get in the mud? We had a, my partner's granddaughter was on the farm one time and she got into the mud in the barnyard in the spring. A portion of our barnyard had some springs in it, so you need to avoid certain parts of the barnyard because you, it would get rather muddy. And so the granddaughter went out, and she was one at that point in her life. Really, counsel wasn't a big thing in her life, and she just wanted to do what she wanted to do. So she started out through and said, hey, don't go that part of the barnyard. You're going to get stuck in the mud. Well, she didn't listen, and all of a sudden I heard a scream. And I come out of the barn and looked out the back, and here she was. One boot, and then the next boot, one sock, then the next sock. Then a barefooted little girl stuck knee-deep in the mud. And she couldn't get out. And God says, I don't know. I know you've tried to walk with your boot. You've walked where I told you not to walk. And I know your boot are stuck back there. And I know the other boot's stuck in the next one. And I know your socks are stuck. And I know your socks are stuck. And I made your skin permanent. And you can't get that off. But I am Sheel. I am the living God. And I will take you out of that mud, and I will free you from that mud. Just come to me just as you are. Then I'll free you from the Jebusites, and the Jebusites just simply means selfishness. I will free you from that. The living God wants to do that in our lives this morning. He wants to do this. He wants to do that. He wants us to know that he can do that. And the more we know, and the more we can trust. And the more we're intimate with the reality of who God is, the more we can trust him. This journey that I've been on for the last three years and intensified in the last two and a half months, I've realized I've been stuck in the mud at times. But I also realize that God has never left me or forsaken me, and I've learned things about God in this last three months that I would have never known. Do I want to be on the journey that I'm on? I do not want to be on the journey that I'm on. But I don't want to forsake what God is teaching me while I'm on the journey. And he's a living God, and he's a loving God, and he takes me on this journey because it's worth it. He says this to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses in Exodus 31, 12, he said this. Then he said to, uh, then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe the Sabbath and, and, and this is, will be a sign between you and, and me and you for generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. I am the, I, I'm the one who does that. So you don't have to come to me all holied up. You don't have to have your holy clothes on. Because what we need to know about God is he's, he's the one who makes us holy. We don't have to get it all right first. And how many times have we said, well, man, man, if I could get my life together, I'd go back to church. Or, and I've heard that over and over and over. If I could just get it right, maybe God would look at me. If I could just get it right, that's, that's as far from the truth as you can get. 
God said, I need you to know this, that I am the one who makes you holy. Come just as you are. Come right out of that mud. Come all, all jacked up. Come all messed up. It doesn't matter because I am the one who makes you holy. I am the one who cleans you and sets you apart. I am the one who cleans you and sets you apart. You can't get clean without me. But I am Shael, and I will free you from that. I am the one who makes you holy. The one, you can push the button, the one who makes you holy, not expecting you first to be holy. Are you with me this morning? And I know we know that. I know we know that. We're sitting in, in a church service, and I know amen and hallelujah and all that. I'm not talking about right now knowing it. I'm talking about tomorrow morning when you're in it up to your ears knowing it. And God says, come to me just as you are. Man, I just lost it. He said, I know you just lost it. I know you're just, you stepped in the mud. I know all that is true, but come to me just as you are because I am the one who makes you clean and sets you apart. I don't expect you to be holy. And the more that you can know that I am the one who cleans you and makes you holy, the more you can stand solely on me. And I know the old hymn, Leaning on the Everlasting Cross, right? That's a really cool song, but I wish it would be standing. I want to trust God. And God says, if you know me, if you'll get intimate with me, if you'll let me get into your heart and into your soul and not just into your mind, if you let me get into you, you will know me to the level where you will be able to trust me more and more and more. The reason you can't trust me right now, Ed, is because you don't know me well enough yet. And I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to get intimate with you, and you can get intimate with me, and then it'll be a natural flow because I'm never going to forsake anybody that seeks me. Push the button, please. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack you or harm you because I have many people in the city. What you need to know this about God? Push the button, please. Just know this about God. The one who is already there, he is where he is leading you to go. Paul said, don't be afraid. God said to Paul, you need to know this, Paul. You've got some hesitation of going where I want you to go. You've got to know I'm already there. And you're not going away from me. You're going toward me. Because I've said go, and I, I want you to go. But that doesn't mean you're leaving me. That means you're, you're with me, and you're with me, and you're joining me. Because I'm already where I'm sending you. So wherever he's sending you, wherever he's sending your family, wherever he's sending you individually, wherever he's already there. That bizarre about God, you're with him here and you're going to be with him there and you're with him all the way in between. God says you just got to know, you need to know, you need to know that I'm there. I am already there wherever I'm sending you. I'm sending you to a cow farmer to, 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 to Lancaster Bible College to study ministry. He said, God, I can't, I don't know how to do this. And he said, of course you don't. You haven't joined me there yet. 
But once you get there, you're going to be able to trust me. Because I'm there. I want to know God more so I can trust him more. I want to know that, I want to know that he is the one who, ex, who makes me holy and doesn't expect me to be holy. I want to know he's the one who is already where he is leading me to go. Let me throw a few more of these out. Life, isn't, life itself was in him, and this life gives light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I want us to know this about God. Push the button. I want, you, I want us to know the, the one who brings light to our soul when darkness is very real. The darkness can never stop God from showing up in your life. I have learned that in the last three months. And there are dark moments in our lives. There are realities that have just hit you and medical or, or family realities or situations that you're in. And it is dark. Don't underestimate the darkness. It is dark. Don't ever convince yourself, well, it's not that dark. Hogwash, it's dark. But the one who says, trust me, know me, is the one who shows up in the very darkness of our lives with a light, a small light at times, inside of us, just breathing into us so that we can know him more, so we can trust him more. In Daniel, we see this account of the king's command was so urgent, and this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had really took a stand for what is right. And we're not going to bow down to this idol. And the king said, you're going to bow down or you're going to end up in a very, very hot furnace. And their statement was, well, our God can save us, but even if he does not, we're not going to do that. And it so made him, the king, mad. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men firmly tied, and they fell into this blazing fire. I know, you probably, some of you have probably seen the flannel graph story of this. I'm going to get a big flannel graph board sometime. And I'm going to get, like, life-size flannel graph people. And I'm going to stick with Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to have a mean look on his face. I think I still have scars from the Young Hickory Baptist Church Bible School from flannel graph moments. You ever see the look on, Nicodemus, or on, 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 on Nebuchadnezzar's face? Whoop! It's stuck there forever. My mom used to tell me, your face is going to freeze like that. <laughs> I think she was talking about Nebuchadnezzar. His face froze like that. Horrifying for children. Flannel graph. <laughs> then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Ah, ah, wasn't there just three guys we thrown in there? Yeah, 
Yeah, king. Certainly, O oh king, he said. Look, I see, a four, a, I see four men walking around unbound and unharmed, and the fourth one looks like the son of God's. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of, of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. I don't know who that dude is in there with you, but he's bigger than me. And you've got to be servants of the Most High God. Come out! Come here! So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And we can continue that whole story. It's a really cool story. But I need us to know this morning that the one that says, know me, so you can trust me, is the one who is in the fire with you. The fire, sometimes new lifers, the fire, you aren't kept from the fire from walking through the fire, but you're kept from the fire. And I'm not sure if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was saying, hey, Jesus, high five. I don't know what they were doing in the fiery furnace. I'm not even sure if they were aware he was there, but they were aware that they weren't losing the battle. So sometimes the evidence that God's going to give you is you're just not losing the battle. The battle might be hot, but you're not losing it. You know why? Because Jesus is in the fire with you. He says, know me, and you will trust me. We probably will revisit these, all, these statements and these verses and these stories and how to trust God, this type of God. I'm kind of just opening up the can this morning. We'll probably investigate these as the year goes on here because I really want us to help us know God more. The one who is in the fire with you, the one that darkness cannot overcome, and the one who makes you holy. Then he took this, his staff and one Samuel and his hand, speaking of David, and chose five smooth stones from the tree, from the stream, and he went toward Goliath. You know what I like about this story, other than Goliath bites the dust at the end of the story? I never want to watch a movie where the bad, good guy loses. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sappy heart for a good finish. It can be a, it can be a rock em, sock em, beat em up, blow em up type movie, but I don't want the good guy to, to falter. And so David goes and he kills Goliath, but you know what? Where were the five stones? Where were the five stones? That's what I want to know. Where were the five stones? You know where they were? On his way to fight Goliath. The dude didn't even have stones yet. But if he hadn't taken a step toward God, and step toward where God was going to meet him, he was going to meet him at Goliath. If he had not taken those steps, those stones would not have been along the path. Because I want you to know, push the button, I want you to know this. I want you to know that the one who puts what you need in your path, sometimes that's why God says, keep walking. Keep walking. I don't know, keep walking. 
keep stepping, keep trusting, keep walking with me. God, I don't know, keep walking, because all of a sudden you're going to step on a stone. You're going to need that stone. Joshua says this, and as soon as the priests who carried the ark of the Lord, uh, the, uh, the Lord of all the earth, just so you know, there's a parenthetical between the dot, dot, and the dot, dot, just so you know, as soon as the priests who carried the ark of the Lord, just so you know who this is, the Lord of all the earth. All of the earth. Set foot in the Jordan its water flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Do you know what's going on here? I need some priests, I need some people who trust God to step out into rushing waters. Push the button, please. You're going to need to know this, the one who invites you to take a step of faith at times. God, this water looks pretty deep. He said, oh, it's deep. This, this water looks at flood stage. Oh, you, you can't believe it. I can see the bottom. You can't. It's bad. Oh, 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 I'm not asking you to, to evaluate the water situation. I'm not asking you to be a streamologist here. I'm not asking you to evaluate every, anything that's going on. I'm asking you to take a step into the water. Will you take a step into the water? Don't worry, I'm in the water with you. Don't worry, I'm in the fire with you. Don't worry, I'm the one who's there. Don't worry, I've invited you to come. I will be there. And I'm going to take a step of faith. As soon as their feet hit the water, the water stopped flowing. See, I want God to stop the water, build a bridge, and put guardrails on it. And, well, then I know that it's God. And God says, you don't know that it's me. You don't know me enough. How many times has God built a bridge in the Bible? How many times have he divided the water? How many times has a guy walked on the water? There's more stories of walking on water and dividing water than any bridge building that God does. Literal bridge building, I'm talking well, if God really wanted me to do it, he'd do this and this and this and this. And God says, yeah, leaning, leaning. How about trusting and standing? Because I will call you into the water. Joshua, now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites, and no one went in and out or, or came in. And, and then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. I love it. It's like, dude, I don't, God, I don't see anything. I see a 38-foot wall, 28 feet thick, gates shut up, and nobody coming in or out. And God says, See, I, I gave you that. See, I delivered Jericho into your hands, and along with its kings and its fighting men. Okay, do this. March around the city once with, with all the armed men for six days, and then on the seventh have the priests carry the trumpets and so forth and so on, and blow the trumpets and have all the people uh, praise God, and all the people shout hallelujah, and uh, walls are come falling down. And we know the story had happened. Isn't that a really cool story? You should see the flannel graph to that. Woo! Do you ever see the veggie tails to that? Where they're throwing slushies down on them? It's like my favorite veggie tail. 
just so you know, the God who says, know me, so you can trust me, is the one who may give you strange battle plans. Job 42 says this, after the Lord had said this, uh, these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Tenemite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right to my servant Job. So now then take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourself. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayers and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. I, I, that, that's, that's, that's intense music in the movie. And I want us to know that the God who wants you to know him more, you can push the button, is the one who may only move through your prayers. He said to Eliphaz, I am not listening to you. You need to zip it. Who I will listen to you to on your behalf is Job. I believe there's times when it's your burden to pray. And God's not going to move in another way. And I think we need to know that. And I think people will come to us and say, God says, you will pray for me. And you're like, who am I? We need to embrace that. Because I think God's going to answer your prayer. Listen, he's answering Job's prayer and not Eliphaz's prayer. There's some dynamic here that's going on. We'll unpack that more in the near future. But don't ever tell me that your prayers don't mount to a hill of beans. Sometimes they're the only ones that do. Luke says this. Jesus says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Now there's a question. And so the one who is saying, know me so you can trust me, at times is the one who's going to ask you the hard questions. What are you doing here? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you're not doing... You call me supreme power, supreme power, supreme authority, supreme authority, and then you don't act in conjunction with that? I'm going to ask you the hard questions. Why are you doing that? Let me finish with this one today. Jonah 3, 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Hopefully I get it the first time. But the one who is saying, know me so you can trust me, is the one who gives second chances. So if you've messed up, you might just hear again, come close again. Step with me. Walk with me. The word of the Lord will come to you. I would all, I'm going to say that the, the, the likelihood of the word of the Lord coming to you a second time is good. So don't worry 
so to speak, if you're messed up. Know the one. Know the one. Know the one who gives second chances. The one who makes you holy and not expects you to first be holy. Know him. You can push the button. Know him. Know the one who is already there. He's already where he's leading you to go. Know him. Know him that brings light to your soul when darkness is very, very real. Know him. Know him that is in the fire with you. Know him that puts what you need in your path. Know him who invites you to take a step of faith. Know him who may give you strange battle plans. Know him who may only move through your prayers. Know him who may ask you hard questions. And know him, the one who gives second chances. Know him. To know him is to trust him. We will journey more into knowing God in the weeks to follow. As he unpacks himself to us and as he unpacks his heart and who he is and his character and his name to us and as we embrace it in this intimate relationship with him we will know him more and we will trust him more stand with me Just so you know, I know, one thing I know about God this week is God is a healing God. He took a tumor out of Aaron Byler's lungs. Removed it. Not surgically. Removed it. Scan says this. Surgeon says no. And I also know he's a God who can put a, a life in my broken body. And he's a God who can put a life and Renee Gunnett's broken body, and a God who can put a mitral valve in Graham Snyder's heart. That's the God I know. And I will know him more and more and more. Father, I thank you for this day. And Father, I know that we come broken to be mended. And we're mended when we know you. And Father, that song is so real to me and so truth. But Lord, I, I also know that my mended seems to want to happen quicker than what you allow it sometimes. So let me be in the fire and let me know you're there. Let me step out of the off the embankment and into the water. God, we are new lifers. And Father, we want to trust you more and you say you're going to need to be more intimate with me then. Because I will never leave you. I will never not let you find me when you seek me. So, Father, here we go. We're going to seek you with everything we got. And we're going to know more and more and more about your name. And we're going to stand more and more and more on you. And we're going to watch you do the miraculous, the common, the everyday stuff, 
the once-in-a-lifetime stuff. We're going to watch you do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.